SNL with Melissa McCarthy is over, but we're just getting started here on Saturday Night Live, live on Post Show Recaps. And now, here are the guys who are getting set to bring you their 150th and 116th SNL recap. I'm Rob <laughs> Sestrino. Here's Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? I am good. I am good. I'll tell you, the uh, this is my the hyphen key on my on my MacBook Air has died. Oh, no. And I'm desperately hoping not to buy a new one until the new MacBooks come out. So it's a, it's a battle royale to see how long I can keep my MacBook going. All right. Well, Melissa McCarthy is not a hyphenated name, so this should be nope. a easy hour or so for you with no good hyphens yep. key. Exactly. I'll be fine. All right. So we'll try not to subtract anything <laughs> uh, during this podcast. How, of all the keys, how did you break the hyphen key? Were you over hyphenating? I think so. It's actually the hyphen key in the open bracket key. So I think I kind of got lucky because it was very dangerously close to the P. And if the P was, then I would have been in real trouble. Yeah, once your P tough. goes, then that's it. Then, then you're dead. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. All right. Well, Rich, very excited to talk about Melissa McCarthy here today, following up the Larry David episode, which we both uh, really, really liked uh, last week. I have a feeling that this is probably going to be a mostly favorable review, though I haven't talked to you before we started the episode tonight. What did you say? Th- thumbs up tonight? Yeah, I would say I would say a thumbs up with a with the asterisk next to it. We're coming off a really great episode. The Larry David episode was super, super wonderful. And I'd say tonight or last night was something where I'd say almost every sketch worked, but I don't know that any of them worked super well. Um, but overall, an enjoyable evening of comedy. Uh, I li- There's a lot of trends here that I liked, uh, a lot of interesting things that they did. Um, but I will, uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good, not great, but I'll take good any day of the week. All right. And of course, we're going to be joined by James Keese later on in this hour to talk about Kanye West and what he was up to on SNL. But Rich, why don't we jump into this as we uh, get started here on the SNL recap and talk about our cold open, which it was the return of Hillary after a very Bernie Sanders heavy week last week. Yeah, I thought this was an interesting uh, one where basically I, I like that they're sort of instead of just parodying the latest uh, debate which yes. Bernie and uh, Hillary had, we're doing something different. <clears throat> and I like that they're sort of touching on this weird the, the very beginning, I thought was a really nice uh, reminder that SNL can touch on sort of the zeitgeist, which is like we're all voting for Hillary, right? Yeah, except that I'm voting for Bernie. Like, I mm-hmm. thought that was such an interesting, like, okay, yes, this is something that we can, a, a lot of people can relate to, sort of really touched on this. And uh, instead of sort of playing through the usual beats of, uh, uh, you know, what Hillary would do in the situation, we're uh, treated to a musical number, which is very atypical for uh, the political sketches. The I can't make you love me. Very slow yes. jam. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So I thought this was a really fun way into this. And this was a really fun difference of seeing Hillary sort of, you know, lamenting that no matter what she does, she can't get people to love her. I thought there was some really fun interplay. Um, I think, you know, again, you're you're definitely here seeing a little bit of the limitations of a live show where some of the transitions and segues were a little bit uh, soft and a little bit missed because, you know, something like this is very tough, but I thought it was fun. Uh, again, the premise itself that didn't necessarily go anywhere. We didn't really have a twist on the actual premise until we get to Jeb Bush very late in the sketch. So uh, this certainly for me could have been uh, trimmed mighty hard. I would love to have seen this uh, shorter or evolve in another twist of some sort but overall i thought it was definitely very fun i'm always interested in looking at what the show is trying to tell us do you feel like the the writers of this sketch are saying that the people who are favoring bernie sanders over hillary clinton for the reasons that were cited in this sketch do you think that the writers of this sketch are saying that they are being foolhardy in terms of not looking at the hillary candidacy which is before them 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I do. I think that the, the, I think a lot of the premise of this was, boy, what does this woman have to do to, to get people to love her? Like, like, you know, almost the, she's, she's the heir apparent. She's the most qualified. And yet she, what, what is she going to do? And this is always an interesting for any show, but certainly SNL, it's always an interesting balancing act in that I don't necessarily want to be force fed the politics of the writers of the show, even in cases when I happen to agree with them. But by the same token, and a, a political sketch without a point of view often just feels like burlesque to me. So it's a, a very, and I thought this one was an interesting uh, line that they sort of walked of. It's so interesting. I think that like the whole idea is like, oh, well, Hillary, I think at one point Vanessa or Taryn says, well, I think uh, Hillary's clearly the most qualified. I just like Bernie's whole vibe. And I think that was such a great way to sort of wrap it up. And then someone says, I like when Bernie yells, but not when Hillary does it. And it was like such a great sort of encapsulation of sort of what her problem is. So I thought a lot of that was fairly politically astute. What about the return of the Beck Bennett, Jeb Bush? Were you happy to see that? Um, I like it. I like the character. I, I don't know if it totally worked here as well. I don't know that that Beck has the same charisma as Jeb Bush that uh, that she has. Kate McKinnon has as Hillary. Um, I did like the twist that even though Hillary is sort of this spirit, this unseen spirit, that Jeb is actually in the same world as the diners. So I thought that was a fun little twist. Uh, and, and certainly he did it well. Um, you know, then we have our and we did have a Bill Clinton show up again, mm-hmm. which I will say as much as I've always and continue to enjoy Daryl Hammond doing uh, Donald Trump. I feel like he, meaning Daryl Hammond, has so much more personal pleasure in doing Bill Clinton that it translates to a more fun experience. And him doing Bill Clinton, just 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 seeing him brings a smile to my face. He doesn't even say anything. And I'm excited. I thought that was a fun little cameo. Uh, the end Again, I think, again, the uh, hard with the live trying to synchronize what is air guitar to a real guitar uh, and then trying to throw it to the cold open line live from New York from the song was hard. So maybe not the best ending, but overall fun energy and a fun take on Hillary. Did you take anything away from Daryl Hammond being in the sketch again live where, you know, if he's not Trump or even using him as Clinton, is he just going? We should we assume he's there for every show. I mean, at this point, he sort of feels like he's a featured player at this point. I think it speaks to me. It spoke more to, uh, and I, I'm going to quote Mark in the chat room. I feel totally uh, the same where he said, wonder if they thought of the song first and then built the sketch around it. And I absolutely 100% agree. And that's where I think is like, oh, let's get, let's get, uh, you know, uh, you know, Bill in. Let's, uh, how can we work Jeb in? I definitely think it was, uh, you know, sort of like, how do we sort of just buttress up what is essential? a one note joke with a mm. couple of different sort of things sort of eye candy to keep it interesting before we get to the, the throw yeah right so we end up going to our monologue and here comes melissa mccarthy and we talked about this we talked this through on our last podcast when melissa mccarthy was going to be hosting and we went through like well how many times did melissa mccarthy host at what point rich uh, were you saying wait did i count this wrong or were you sort of like in on the joke the whole time no, this was I thought this joke was was cruel to SNL nerds because while I think the regular audience was like, oh, Melissa McCarthy's in the five timer club. This is a fun number. I'm sitting there going 2013 and then she did the thing with a huh and then huh. Like, wait a minute. What? What am I missing? So uh, I, they got me in that. I thought I was wrong, not them, uh, although it completely distracted me from the actual song itself which to be honest was more fun than funny. It was uh, uh, one of the thing the themes we're going to see tonight is we're going to rely more on Melissa McCarthy's performance than necessarily brilliant writing. And uh, I think this was a case of that, but certainly they got me. And uh, I think Keenan as the whoa, whoa, whoa guy uh, certainly, you know, was, was the right energy to sort of bring this back to reality. What was the point where you realized where it was going? Um, I didn't know. I mean, at a certain point, I just went, all right, I guess I counted wrong. I guess she's a five timer. So for me, it wasn't they got me on that point. Like, I guess I just screwed up. So it wasn't as soon as Keenan said, I I think it was when Keenan was standing there waiting to do something that was negging. Mm -hmm. It was very obvious to me, like, okay, here here comes the turn. Uh, But I will say 
I liked the specificity, the smart writing sort of, you know, really, you know, writing to the top of their intelligence instead of it being a case of Melissa, you miscounted. It's not five. It's four. It was Melissa saying this, this, this and the 40th anniversary special. I've been five times. And then we sort of turn that to, OK, it's actually, uh, you know, four and one sixteenth because that's all that counts as. So I did like that sort of turn. Yeah. So also, as Mark notes in the chat room that you picked up uh, negging, is that are, are you taking oh, yes. a uh, pickup class as well? Yes. Ex- I'm learning from Cecily Strong's class. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so, Rich, do you feel like that they undercut when Melissa McCarthy inevitably hosts for the fifth time in terms of doing something about the five timers? No, I don't think so. I, I think it's inevitable. And I think and I did not check the uh, the the research on this. I'm still fairly sure there's not a woman in the five timers club, uh, but I'm not sure. I think we talked about this last time at the end of the show um, and I was going to Google this and I didn't. I do but feel I'll like Candace Bergen was in that that sketch. I was where... wondering. That was the one that I was wondering about. You because... mentioned her, but then you walked it back. But I kind of feel like she, she was in there. I'm trying to remember the big sketch that they did. Um, and I don't, we'll, we'll look as we go. Maybe someone in the, Oh, uh, Patrick saying drew Barrymore and Candace Bergen. So, uh, yeah, I guess it would be right about that. So, um, Oh, and maybe Tina Fey, that could be with T well, no, I don't know if that's right. Anyway. Um, so yes. So I think that makes sense. So, uh, so, but I do think that they would make a big deal out of it when she joins regardless. I thought this was a fun sort of uh throwaway. Okay, so Rich, we come out of the monologue and we get this pre-taped sketch, uh, which was really what a production this was before we even talk about the humor of it. But they really just uh, pulled out all the stops for the sketch about the horror movie about uh, the day Beyonce turned black. Yeah, I feel like they knew they had a winner on their hands here and that they just really just sort of pulled out all the stops for this one. I don't think there's even a question. This was the the sketch of the night. This was the best piece of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was such a great, you know, and I, I do think that, uh, you know, two things. One, SNL is really good when they make fun of white people. I think that they do it very well. Yeah. And two, I love the fact that we now have such a diverse cast with enough African-Americans as as cast members and featured players that we can comment on it without only being able to go to one black person to make to be the normal person in the in the crazy world. So I like that we had a lot of different flavors of people of, of black people reacting to this premise. I thought it was so I, I thought this was all really funny, um, you know, it, it re- really, really fun and, and very true. And the, the whole idea that, you know, that everyone thought Beyonce was white was such a wonderful thing. Um, but again, for everything that happened again in the pre-tape piece, for me, it's Vanessa Bayer. She just kills it when she She's talking to Shasir and saying, we got to leave. And, and, and Shasir's like, I'm black. And she's like, no, you're not. And then they point to the the like the, the, the guy, the hip hop guy. And he's, uh, you know, and uh, Vanessa says, I know he's black. And I just thought that was really great. I thought that she did such a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. Also, when she runs into the glass, uh, it was just really like uh, she nailed that piece of physical comedy of like putting her face up at the, uh, the you know, the glass window in the office. Oh, right. Was that her or Cecily Strong? I oh, don't was know. It, anyway, it might have. It might have. been. It doesn't matter. But yes, it was all very funny. Um, and then counteracting it with Michael Che and Jay Farrow, like whatever. Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought that was all really funny. I like when they're suddenly realizing, you know, Kerry Washington might be black and back then. It's like she can't be. She's on ABC. <laughs> so that, like a lot of funny little pieces there. Uh, and, I, and I thought it was strong and great when when uh, A.D. Bryant thinks that her child has turned black and Leslie Jones is like, that's my daughter. What's wrong? Well, with yeah, like, just that, real nice turns. Yeah, I mean, the, the high point of that is when A.D. Bryant is like, uh, like, oh, thank God. And what, what do you mean? <laughs> thank God. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought this was really strong all the way up to the final uh, closing card, which said NC-17 for white people rated G for black people. I thought this was a a real home run. Yeah. Really, really strong. And a very and a very fun dark ending when Cecily Strong decides to kill. I'm sorry. uh, Kate McKinnon decides to kill her son uh, because uh, so that he won't have to live in this world. I thought like uh, really interesting that they make that kind of a uh, that black of a turn, which I thought was a dark turn, which is really 
really great. Yeah. All right. So then uh, we come to our first live sketch, which is after the monologue. And uh, we are seeing uh, people that are doing the screening for the horror movie here. And we see these commercials where it's like you see the audience sort of like uh, all being scared at the same time. And we have Melissa McCarthy, who I guess is uh, very, very scared during this. And again, I don't know what it is about Melissa McCarthy and sort of going through some sort of like focus group. But it seems like uh, that's a common trope for any sketch with her. Yeah, it was interesting when I looked back after the show that I realized it looks like in four uh, hosting episodes, she really has very rarely repeated a character, although she clearly is repeating character types. So, mm-hmm. you know, as you alluded to, this is very this Dottie character is very similar to the Arlene character of the Hidden Valley Ranch testing salad dressing focus group, although that character was much bigger, uh, uh, more woohoo kind of a character. Mm-hmm. I think the wig I think she doesn't repeat characters, but she repeats wigs so that we're basing sort of archetypes based on wigs. Um, I would say for me, this work very much less well than the uh, salad dressing. I thought this was uh, a, a we all get it right from the beginning. We all, you know, the again, the problem, because we all know how great Melissa McCarthy is at big. We know once we see uh, A.D. Bryant have a little startle at, at one of the scary moments that, of course, we're now going to cut to Melissa McCarthy, who's going to have the way too big over the top reaction. We get it. It's even bigger than we thought. And I think it is comedically hard to top it with just physical tropes of she's now going to throw up and she's going to piss herself. And so I I think it was hard. That said, Melissa McCarthy is one of the best at this. So if someone's going to punch Vanessa Bayer, I'm glad it's Melissa McCarthy because that did make me laugh. Yeah, I agree with you. I felt like that they didn't have anywhere else to go with it after a certain point. And, you know, it was pretty short. And I was like, okay, well, at least we're out of this one because I felt like that overall, this was uh, not a uh, not a hit for me. Yeah, I agree. And, and also, although it was short, it felt long because there were no real turns to it. It was just more what is now the even bigger thing Melissa McCarthy will do. What is now the even bigger thing? Uh, and then some nice it was interesting. I noticed an interesting night of interesting buttons to sketches. Uh, this was a very easy like, oh, I don't know if I feel comfortable on screen. It pays two hundred and fifty dollars done. And then we're out. And uh, we're going to see uh, interesting sort of buttons throughout the night. But uh, this this was probably not my favorite either. I did think they really nailed the name of the movie. The cul-de-sac does sound like it would be, a, <laughs> you know, a horror movie that's going to come yes. out. OK, yes. let's totally. talk about this next live sketch. And this was one that I actually really did enjoy this movie night sketch where we have Pete Davidson is the child of uh, Bobby Moynihan and Melissa McCarthy, and they're watching the original Terminator, and they are at the sex scene in the original Terminator, and we're getting the inner monologue of all three of these characters. I agree, and I will say I uh, this is one of uh, at least two sketches that I thought the first time I watched it, I was a little sort of thrown by the, again, the live element of pre-taped voices intercutting with the real people. Um, nitpicky, the second time I watched it, just laughing, my, my I just thought this was really great. Again, what I love about this is it was such an interesting premise. What, you know, how many people talk about this, uh, you know, or have thought about this. It was such a it was so well done. And I liked, you know, the Pete Davidson character. We understand where he's coming from, you know, you know, then going to uh, Melissa McCarthy as the mom, uh, some very fun stuff. But then my man, Babe coming on in with sort of the real left turn that just really killed me. Yeah. I really did like that. You know, all three of these characters were getting their motivations and they're all coming from like a good place. They just can't think of anything to say that's not totally uh, absurd and inappropriate. But I think all of the lines that they blurred out are all hilarious. Oh, yeah. I mean, just from the beginning, uh, you know, just him to Pete Davidson talking about his, his you know, parents having sex <laughs> and boy, she's really railing. <laughs> just she's a, yeah, she's getting railed. I thought that was really funny. All the stuff uh, was, you know, uh, all the stuff with uh, Melissa McCarthy and uh, just all that stuff was really funny. I thought that was really good. Um, the dark but I nipple. definitely, I, I, 
yeah. Well, Bobby just killed me. And by the way, as uh, Jeff is saying, uh, love that there was an uh, boy. At, uh, I thought that was in oh Bobby. At the, one of Bobby's first lines was uh, oh wait, I lost. I had my notes here. Uh, one of his very first lines, he goes, "Oh boy, this is in his head." He goes, "Oh boy, I need to break the tension about what yeah. we're watching." So it was nice that we got. I think he did it twice. Maybe he did. I well, I think he did it. Uh, anyway, yeah. It, so that was that was in really this funny. sketch. I think it was twice. Yeah. So that and then his line is, "Boy, she has very dark nipples for a white girl," which I thought was good. And then I will say, I really I thought that Pete Davidson did a very good job delivering what becomes a final little monologue where he's like, you know, oh, with my parents, and I mean, if I went back to the future, I would hit on you. I'm not saying I would have sex with my mom. I'm a virgin. I thought Pete, who often has not really delivered in performance out side of weekend update pieces i thought did a very good job here i thought it was really fun yeah and don't forget rubbers are rad <laughs> it was the we are farmers bum, 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 bum. It's great just no i thought just that was re- that was really really uh very very fun okay yeah all right so uh let's talk about uh kanye and uh what he's doing on the stage and let's bring in our musical correspondent, James Keast. Of course, he is the editor of Exclaim Magazine, at Exclaim Editor on Twitter. James, how are you? I'm well, guys. How are you? Oh, very good. Good. James, have you been spending all weekend listening to Kanye's album? Uh, well, it only came out, uh, well, av- after the show last night, about an hour after the show had finally dropped. So I've only had today to give it some, <laughs> some time. Yes. And what was your review of, I guess, the album and the performance last night in terms of the first performance? Highlights is the first song. It's from uh, his new album, Life of Pablo, which just dropped after the live show tonight. That was his incoherent uh, screaming at the end of the second song was that the album was out. Uh, but so highlights, he brought along uh, DeBarge, of all people, from the uh, late 80s singing group. Uh, family group uh, sort of soul R&B and uh, Kelly Price who uh, hasn't has had all of her R&B success in the early 2000s as well as uh, Young Thug and the Dream who are a little more contemporary Uh, I thought it was a weird choice of song in terms of introducing the new album to an SNL audience Uh, it was kind of a challenging uh, song you know it's not it's certainly there are catchier songs and, and more accessible kind of singles on the album than, uh, than highlights. And I thought he struggled with the performance. I thought the auto tune didn't really work live all the time. And, and it was just kind of an incoherent mess with all the people. And uh, you know, it just, it was just a, a weird choice of song and performance both for me. I would even argue that the, uh, to your point, the backdrop, which I could tell uh, during the Kyle Mooney pre-tape piece later, was uh, clouds of a sky going by very quickly. You know, when we're watching in a compression digital cable and DVR world was just blocky. It almost looked like an old style blocky video game. I thought I'm very surprised that the, the very crack crew at SNL did not warn him that that uh, video monitor, that that particular video was not going to play well on TV. At least it didn't play well on my TV at all yeah no i couldn't quite make it what it was supposed to be yeah yeah all right well let's talk about the second performance which i think was a bit wackier from kanye who always does some sort of like unique performance on snl but the second time around was really i think the one that was really out there right ultralight dream and uh this is actually the one that's most like what the record sounds like uh uh, Kanye has said that this album was inspired by God and yes. and uh, Rob Car and and uh, and uh, what the uh, Kardashian Robert Kardashian, Robert Kardashian. Uh, yeah Robert Kardashian of course it was uh, and so it's it's I wasn't surprised to see the gospel choir I thought this was much better and much more interesting it it hung together as a performance it made sense. And uh, I thought Chance the Rapper actually came and stole the whole second performance. I thought his he did a great verse. And uh, and Kanye was kind of reduced to cheerleader slash uh, dramatic collapser. It was like he was dead he at more, the end. Yeah, he, <laughs> he seemed like more like the like the 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 concierge of this song more than uh, I don't. Yeah, it seemed very odd to me. Yeah, I, I you know, think that sort of 
he he did a fashion release at Madison Square Gardens on Thursday and did kind of a similar thing. I played the record in full there, changed, added six songs to it. Uh, but uh, so I that seems to be the vibe is this real, like very collaborative, um, you know, very join along uh, kind of vibe. Like Bernie's vibe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I don't understand, maybe you know, because I didn't know about the, the Kardashian thing, although I did see, well, when we get to the goodnights, he had on the back his big uh, sort of in memory of Robert Kardashian, which is so strange to me because Robert Kardashian died in the early 2000s and he met Kim in like 2011, mm-hmm. 2012. So I, there would, uh, is it just because he's watching the people versus OJ Simpson yes. and David Schwimmer <laughs> is doing such a great job, which by the I way, that's, that's a pretty excellent show. But uh, I, I, I was very, I didn't understand why. Uh, I mean, it's his wife's father. I understand, but he, they never met each other. So, or I wouldn't think they did. It was very, so odd. No, he hasn't explained it. And uh, I don't know, maybe he thinks OJ's in- innocent as well. Uh, Robert Kardashian was certainly convinced OJ was innocent. So um, I, I, you know, maybe Kanye's just on an innocence project. That could be. Uh, I, I don't, I, he has not expanded on the uh, inspired by Robert Kardashian uh, uh, either shirts. Uh, he was selling that as merch as well at the show on Thursday. Sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, it's his mother on the front. Yeah. Kanye's mother yeah. on the front and Robert Kardashian on the back. Okay. James, thank you again so much. Always a pleasure to talk with you. We'll talk with you uh, during the Jonah Hill episode to hear about future. Follow James on Twitter. He's at exclaim editor. Take care, buddy. And I know James is pumped up for the Walking Dead premiere later on tonight. So um, good to see James all the time. All right. Rich, let's talk about Weekend Update. Now, Weekend Update this week, we had high hopes, I'm sure, coming out of what we felt like was probably the best Weekend Update that they've done during the Shea-Jost era. They got lucky again. They had another political debate on a Saturday night, which they tried to mine that once again. How do you think it came together for tonight's Weekend Update? I, I don't think particularly I, I don't think that there was a lot that they pulled from the Republican debate that was uh, particularly funny. Again, I think it's always a challenge in that you have to assume most of the audience did not see the debate that just happened. So you are informing us as well as entertaining us about making fun of it. Um I thought this was a mix as far as the jokes go. I thought there were some some of the political stuff really worked. I think when they uh, talked about, you know, how Hillary's, uh, you know, wants uh, uh, Bernie to come clean about certain things. And then they gave the list of things that Hillary should come clean on. I thought that was very good. Um, I also thought they had what should have been. And I'm not saying I'm a top comedy writer, but the true story that broke earlier in the week that Ted Cruz had to pull one of his campaign ads because there was a woman who had been a soft core porn actress. Uh, uh, I felt like that was a layup and I did not even chuckle at their execution. I, I didn't, it didn't make me laugh at all. I felt like the CNN commentators who mm-hmm. broke this story earlier in the week made that joke uh, live as it was happening. So that, that really didn't do anything for me. So couple of good jokes here and there. Uh, you know, certainly the OJ joke was probably the ooh moment uh, of the night. Um, I like that Shay sort of even took a shot at Kanye very lovingly, you know, also in sort of, you know, talking about how great his album was, but still took a shot at Kanye when Kanye was in the room. Uh, so th- I'd say beyond the the our, our sort of uh, guest correspondence, uh, a much shakier night with a couple of jo- good jokes dotted through. Yeah, interesting that we could tie all this together with like one degree of separation between Kanye to OJ. Uh, and surprise, it doesn't upset Kanye uh, to have uh, Shay make a joke like that. But speaking of one degree of separation. Oh, I, I would say that it did, and we will get to that later. But I, I think that it did annoy Kanye. Okay. More, well, more to come on that. Looking forward to hearing that. And again, speaking of one degree of separation between the OJ trial and the uh, West Kardashian modern day times. Uh, We bring in Jennifer Aniston for no apparent reason to have, I mean that Vanessa Bayer was sitting on this uh, amazing Jennifer Aniston impression for all this time. And we haven't been mining it at all. Of course, uh, Jennifer Aniston from friends with David Schwimmer, who's playing Robert Kardashian currently 
on the FX American Crime Story. What do you think about Vanessa Bayer as Jennifer Aniston here? Oh, I loved it. I mean, yeah. I had heard her do this on, I want, it was late night with Seth Meyers or Howard Stern, maybe Mark or someone in the chat room remembers that I had heard audio of her do this somewhere uh, previously, just as a quick throwaway. And it was super funny. Um, I, as Mark and I always talk about, I, I watching this, I'm thinking of the Lorne Michaels line, why now? Uh, uh, which, you know, was like, why are we doing Jennifer Aniston now? Um, I think Vanessa's very good at doing a lot with, with a little um, that really she was like, Whoa, what? Um, and yet they were able to sort of make a nice whole sort of piece on this. Um, I thought what was interesting is when they said it's Rachel from friends, she comes out, we get the visual. We all remember Rachel, even younger people watched it on, on syndication. And when she says her first line, like it was just like, Oh, hi, mm, hi, hi, Seth, or whatever it was. Uh, the audience literally gasped at how good it was yeah uh that's what i like it was there was like there was an audible <gasps> because it was just oh my god that is so funny which i thought was good yeah who does a jennifer aniston impression yeah uh actually mark is calling out the the friends reunion on nbc next week which i don't i think is it a friends reunion mark or is it a i think it might be a live tribute to the director james burroughs for which i think the friends cast is is uh, reuniting for because he was uh, a special part of uh of the of the james burroughs thing um so yeah it was a good time so she's been sitting on this uh i thought obviously there wasn't a lot you can do with such a limited impression but i did love uh when she's when she points to Michael Che, she's like, "What's that?" And and Michael's like, "Oh, she's she's on Friends. She's never seen a black person." I thought that was a great little line, um, and I like the sort of I, I like that they even do this sort of closing credits in the right font. A little mm-hmm. shout out to the technical crew that they got the Friends font for the EP credits at the end, which I thought was That's really great. Fun. Okay, uh, we have a visit from Von Miller to talk about the <laughs> uh, gravitational waves. And uh, I feel like that this might have been funnier on paper than it ultimately ended up being because uh, Von Miller, yeah. as much as he is a phenomenal athlete and performer, uh, I felt like that uh, he was uh, not doing anything that he would be bragging about at the update desk. Yeah, I mean, clearly he's not a comedian. He's not a performer. He's also being asked to read off cue cards and he's also being asked to do what is a complicated beast piece of comedy, which is pretend to be talking about one thing, but actually bragging about yourself when clearly he did not write this. And so you've got Michael Che in fun calling him out for like, really, dude, you're really just here to brag about yourself. But of course, of course, Von Miller did not write this. This was all pre-staged. So I think it was a tough one. I don't think the jokes were necessarily that great that even when you got through them, they were still the laugh. Uh, so I, I don't know that they served him well, uh, but I thought he looked good and he sounded good and he was a very amiable sport. I do like at the end when they wrapped it up about Einstein's theory of relativity, which is M-E equals MVP. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that was definitely a nice, short, to the point, fun piece kept it topical, and then we move on. Okay. All right. And then we have Leslie Jones in maybe one of her more elaborate update pieces that we've seen. She's back here at the update desk. I feel like from some of the comments that I was seeing last night, I feel like that we might have reached a Leslie Jones update saturation point. I'd love to find out from you how you're feeling about the Leslie Jones update here. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to say, and I want to pull because we, I mean, it's now so frequent. I mean, it's such a go-to and I don't know if it's because she has so much great material or because they just, they don't have better material that they're going to her. Um, Because I would say, I actually thought that this was probably one of the better Leslie Jones pieces that we've seen in a long time. Um, I thought this was, uh, you know, a lot better than uh, the the Leonardo DiCaprio piece uh, that she did at weekend update, which was two episodes ago. So we're really going back to the, you know, to that piece, uh, you know, but so I think she's had a little bit of saturation. I actually thought this was better. Mm -hmm. I thought that uh, the flow of this was good. I like a lot. There was a lot of sort of tangents, her bit about the dead flowers, about, you know, the death, the the stank of death, I thought was really good. Um, So I, I really liked it a lot. I would have liked it so much more if she hadn't just been sort 
of shoehorned yeah. into the Ronda Rousey piece. And I'm going to guess that it's not her clamoring for airtime. I'm guessing that maybe when things don't work, she's the go-to. The way Regis Feldman showed up so much on uh, Late Show with David Letterman, because when someone would drop out, they'd just call Regis. I wonder if she's the Regis of Weekend Update, that they're just like, oh, Leslie, save us. Yeah. Um, so uh, I really hope that they retire her for a good bit because when it works, she works so well and it's not deserving of her over saturation. Right. So the issue was probably that they just had her on more so than anything from this piece. They just had her on and it's not like she had a long dormant period and then have, we've had her on twice in a row. She's been a very regular contributor. And again, because, and she shouldn't change this. I love Leslie Jones, but she's a very specific type in that she does, she doesn't come, she doesn't have five different moves. You know, we can see Kate McKinnon do, you know, we can see her one week doing Justin Bieber weekend update, and then she comes back as Olya Polievsky, and another week she comes back as Angela Merton. And the the energy and the performance is so different in each one that it's a breath of fresh air. But when you get Leslie Jones, it's always going to be, how are you doing, you white dollop of white condiment that i'm gonna reference here you sexy little joshua like we're we're hitting that same and that's what she does Mm -hmm. and that's totally great but you can't do what she does every other episode and not expect the audience to burn out so no fault of hers she's fantastic a piece like this is great they just need to dial her back again okay well let's talk about the post update sketches and the first of which was the pickup artist sketch that you referenced earlier where we have uh, cecily is the person teaching the women how to pick up uh, people and there's a lot of guys who are sort of famous for doing this and uh, Melissa McCarthy is trying to follow the instructions of uh, negging people, negging Kyle Mooney. And uh, it uh, it's a sketch where, uh, you know, it's very funny what's going on. But Leslie Jones is like breaking to worse than I've ever seen her break before on the show. I, I don't know that in her entire run on SNL that she's ever broken nearly this much. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's two things. I think one, you know, Melissa McCarthy is a very, I mean, this was a performance piece. I mean, the writing on this was great, but it was clearly a performance piece and you're giving it to someone who's going to take it to 11. I mean, guest hosts rarely. I mean, you got to go back to people like Steve Martin to say what guest host is going to go just take it to 11 and 12. She does it. Also, don't forget that, you know, Leslie Jones and and uh, Melissa McCarthy and Kate McKinnon became very close shooting the new Ghostbusters movie with Kristen Wiig and Paul Feig. So there's a real camaraderie between Leslie Jones and, and Kate McKinnon and Melissa McCarthy that you didn't have the last time that she hosted. So you can really see it uh, uh, really, you know, how super strong that was. Um, so uh, so the camaraderie between the two of them was very fun. I would say the first time I saw this sketch, I was just more like, I've never seen this before, but I've seen this before. And I was sort of waiting to see what was going to be different about it because it was just more of that Melissa McCarthy doing big, weird, strange character. Like we've seen this wig before, but I will say watching it a second time, knowing what the expectations were, boy, was I laughing hard at Mm -hmm. everything Melissa McCarthy was doing physically putting her hands in the beer and putting her then wet hands into Kyle Mooney's mouth, just getting right in his face and just the delivery of like, I want to hit you with a wrench and wanting to choke everything about it was really funny. Yeah. Very funny. stuff. all right, let's talk about Kyle Mooney and let's talk about his big digital short. And while last season we saw, you know, a ton of the good neighbor stuff, we really haven't seen very much of it here in season 41. And I don't think that this is even, I don't know if we officially are calling this a good neighbor piece, uh, but we get set between the Kyle Mooney rap battle between him and Kanye West. Rich, was this a hit or a miss for you? You know, for me, I I don't think I could say it was either. I think this is going to sound so weird. I liked the structure and the buildup. I liked seeing actual, you know, home movies of Kyle Mooney. So, you know, he's on the Today Show. So a really nice buildup to, okay, well, Kanye's here. They're going to do something. Um, And then I liked that Kanye was game to play along. But for me, where I really got lost, and maybe if I was a rapper, I would have gotten this. But when we get to the point where he, of course, makes a fool of himself out of Kanye, and then Kanye just starts unloading 
very well done. But listening to the rap during Kanye's rap, I couldn't tell if Kanye was making fun of himself. Like, you know, I miss the old Kanye. I don't like the new Kanye. And I was like, is he making fun of himself? Like, if you're going to come at me, this is what you should be saying. Or if it was actually a positive, like, like he's actually taking down Kyle Mooney. So I don't know what comedically Mm -hmm. Kanye and Kyle and the rest of the writers of the sketch wanted it to be. So for me, it was such a, it left me with such a question mark to what had been such a strong piece and what was a strong Kanye showing up and being game to have fun that I then sort of was like, Oh, what was that? Okay. And then a little tag at the end, which was a silly sort of throwaway. Oh, I really showed him. So I would not say it was a miss for me, but I definitely wouldn't say it was a hit. It was, it was somewhere in between for me. I agree a hundred percent because I felt like, okay, this is really the buildup. Where's this going again? And we like, sort of like went like all the way up the mountain with Kyle Mooney and we're there with him. And then I agree that the payoff to it really was not anything that was like, worth the journey that we went on right ike is saying in the chat room uh, that this is on his new album about what people's perception of him is which in a way almost makes it less interesting to me that this wasn't something that he wrote to have fun with the snl but he just did something uh, which actually sort of explains why it didn't even organically fit into it because they were taking a pre-written piece and trying to work around it so uh, assuming ike is correct which i assume he is uh that actually makes me a little bit even less uh, enthralled by this it was fun i wouldn't watch it again okay then let's go ahead and talk about the sketch of <laughs> leslie jones on the bus with uh, melissa mccarthy and uh, this is uh, definitely another fun setup that we get into with Melissa McCarthy as uh, the person on the bus and Leslie Jones being sort of trapped uh, up against the wall and not being able to like where it starts off where Taryn like seems like a good natured move, gives up the seat. Uh, Leslie quickly finds out that there's a reason why he's so quick to give up that seat. <laughs> Yeah, I think that I probably like this more than most. I definitely like this a lot. I, I, I thought this I loved, first of all, now we're seeing another flavor of Melissa McCarthy. Now we're going to bring it way down. She's going to play a very realistic character and yet also be the crazy person in the sketch that she's the unintentional racist, clearly racist, but like racist with a good heart. It's not big and broad. Um, a, a lot of the lines I really liked just her trying to remember like the other black movie she saw eight years. I got a slave definitely made me laugh the Benetton ad even talking about like well what if they why don't they just make remake roots with an all-white cast they're like just coming back to roots just made me laugh constantly even when she's like I when when she thinks she's gonna die she's like I didn't see the end of roots do they get free like all of that was just super funny I think for me the problem was in the writing we have um we have uh, uh Leslie Jones like wanting to get off the bus in a way that didn't I agree within the scene. Yeah. It's like what, especially knowing the character of Leslie Jones, I'm glad that it didn't become her screaming at her, but it was also, I felt like her just like, can I just jump out and tuck and roll was not, she could have just got up and moved. So I I do wish the writers Mm -hmm. had taken a little bit more time and kept all of the Melissa stuff the same, but figured out a better reaction or a reason for Leslie Jones not to lose it on her and, and sort of contain the character that way. Cause it it was a, it it was a little almost muddy. Like why does she want to punch the window out like that doesn't track for me but that is nitpicky overall uh i thought i just like this i thought it was really fun a very again a weird button to tag we've got nothing else let's make this a speed sketch and the bus blows up uh but it 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 got us out fairly quickly okay then let's talk about one of the recurring sketches that we got tonight the whiskers are we is back now i know it's always uh kate mckinnon that has melissa mccarthy been back in whiskers are we no this is the first time this is our fourth time that we've seen whiskers are we um and uh this is her first time doing it so uh yeah and i and i would say you know again i always enjoy the goofy fun of this sketch you know especially at the 1255 time slot um i would say from a uh, joke writing level, this was probably the weakest of the whiskers are we. I think the, you know, the, we just had it Reese Witherspoon last year, which may have been the strongest, although, I mean, Amy Adams and Charlize Theron were also really good. Um, I thought there were a couple of really 
a really cute jokes. Um, I like, you know, that they've talked to one of the, one of the cats hasn't been neutered. So he still wears condoms. <laughs> um, an, another OJ joke, which is obviously they're all watching the FX show because mm-hmm. every writer had it in there that, you know, they call it the one thing cat OJ because he, he looks like the juice and he's a, uh, and a murderer, uh, you know, like, like the athlete, it was just all, so a lot of funny stuff. Uh, it was fun to see Kate McKinnon really break when Melissa McCarthy, obviously pre-scripted is uh, massaging her boobs clearly was going way further than Kate McKinnon expected on live TV and really mm-hmm. got her. So um, was it brilliant? No. Uh, was it the best of the whiskers? Are we no? but I liked it as sort of the let's wrap up the girl power, strong, big performance episode with just a nice bit of silliness to get us out. Yeah, it's fun stuff. You know, I think that this is almost yeah. like the bizarro porn stars sketch uh, in terms of like that. It's the, you know, two women talking about, you know, the commercial for different things. And so uh, I, I always find it to be fun, short and sweet. Yeah. Um, so that's yes. that's fine with me. All right. So let's talk about the good nights, Rich. So interesting good nights. Uh, you know, we've got obviously there were so many people from the musical guest on stage. Uh, you know, Melissa McCarthy, obviously very sweet. Um, so starting with Melissa McCarthy, I would say of note, uh, she goes over and gives Kate McKinnon a huge hug. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, they're very close because of the Ghostbusters movie they just did together. Uh, but they were hugging quite a while to the point where it I'm pretty sure Melissa McCarthy actually started to tear up which was very sweet. And mm-hmm. then after she breaks with, uh, breaks with Kate, she, uh, I think she sort of says hello to someone and then sort of almost pushes nicely, pushes past someone to get to Leslie Jones for a hu- another huge bear hug. Again, another friend of hers personally, uh, very, very sweet. So it, it was then hard to see what was going on with them, uh, with, but you know, but obviously she's very close to the cast, very close to the girls. Um, and then, you know, contrast that to Kanye West, who it looks like had no cast interaction whatsoever. Obviously, he's got a big posse there. Um, he's in a very good mood. He's clowning around. He's he's, you know, mugging for the camera. He's showing off his sweatshirt. Um, he's very playful. But and and watching the long extended cut of on Hulu, I did not see him make any interaction with any cast member, including Melissa McCarthy. I don't know if that's just because he's too school, uh, too cool for school these days. But when Kanye is the musical guest, he usually does mix and say hello to the cast. And I do wonder if jokes that were made at his expense, maybe an OJ joke. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, maybe for some reason he was upset by the Beyonce piece, which I don't know why, but with him, you never know. Um, So I do thought it was, I thought it was a little bit calculated. If I had to guess, I am by no means the Kanye expert on any level, but an outside observer would wonder if he uh, had a little bit of a grudge, uh, a little bit of an ax to grind that he just decided to stay in his bubble and not, and not mix uh, and mingle at the end. Okay. Any final thoughts? on Melissa McCarthy and Kanye before we talk a little bit about Jonah Hill. Uh, I would just say that, uh, you know, she's great. I love her. She goes to 11 like no others. When we bring her back for her fifth time, I would really look at the bus sketch and remember that she's got more than just big, broad, physical, throwing up, throwing her fingers in people's mouths. And I would also say to the cast, really look at that cold open. And even if it didn't work as well as everyone would like to to do topical, political, not being uh, just paint by numbers, let's do the debate or let's do this speech or let's do a press conference, but setting uh, setting our political characters in atypical situations is a win. It gives you the freshness that you can then mis- sustain an entire political season. So bravo to that. Okay. Jonah Hill is coming back to SNL, what, March 5th? So is that what, March 5th. three weeks off or two, or, two, yes. two we weeks have off. two weeks off and then we're back three weeks from week. now for uh, the Jonah Hill and future episode. I believe this is a hosting appearance number four for Jonah Hill. Exactly. This is his fourth time. Okay. All right. Well, they wasted that. It's the fifth time monologue on uh, Melissa McCarthy. So (laughs) they can't do that again. Yes. All right. So I agree. I agree. (laughs) Anything of note that you're looking forward to with Jonah Hill? Was it the last time that he hosted uh, that Leo was there also, or was that 
uh, the yes. time before that. I think, I think, I think, no, I think it was the last time when he showed up for the, uh, for the monologue. Uh, no, I'll be interested to see what they do with him. Uh, you know, like Melissa McCarthy, solid performer, not in uh, a, a big moment, not a big, exciting moment of someone hosting, but, uh, but always brings it. So it should be a good show. He does his character of that. He is like the six year old kid who, Yes. Uh, Has he done that all three times? Uh, I think he's done it every time. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's Mad Libs. It's completely repetitive. I love it every time. I'm kidding. I'm five. It makes me laugh every time. Yeah. Was Bill Hader already gone the last time that he hosted in 2014? Yes, I think so. Okay. That Bill Hader was the dad in that sketch. Uh, But we'll see. We'll see what they do. Probably we'll bring it back. Uh, Anything else from Jonah Hill that you're excited about? Um, no, I don't know that there's anything I specifically look forward to. I just, I always know he does a a nice yeoman's job. Okay. All right. Well, very excited to see. And again, uh, that if, uh, Jonah Hill is, uh, back with, uh, Oscar buzz, is he nominated for anything this year or no? That's so that he doesn't have anything going on. I don't think so. No. Yeah. Yeah. He's in the hail Caesar, right? Oh yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that probably stinks, right? Uh, it doesn't look good to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> all right mm. so uh we'll see what's going on with jonah hill and what he's back to promote all right so uh great stuff rich uh we'll be back in three weeks to talk about all of that of course you can subscribe to the snl podcast at postshowrecaps.com slash itunes for the main feed or uh the snl feed is at postshowrecaps.com slash snl iTunes rich anything else you want to make sure we know about uh no excited for that I uh, shout out just comedy TV uh, SNL alumni Simon Rich former writer is doing season two of of man seeking woman on FXX I think it's a tremendous season uh very silly very fun stuff Fred Armisen just did a cameo last week that was really fun so uh if you're a fan of SNL writers uh that show not easy to find but for me it's it's can't miss okay all right, quick turnaround for the Walking Dead premiere coming up tonight on for the second half of season six. We'll have that live on Post Show Recaps at 10.15 p.m. Eastern time. Have a great night, everybody. Uh, thanks to James Keats and thanks to Scott St. Pierre for editing this all together. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Bye.